So, um, we're, we're still very much in Christmas. Uh, I think our, our, our subtitle for the new sermon series, I think, should be something along the lines of um, Jesus is for life, not just for Christmas. Um, and uh, so, we're, we're going to be looking at, we're going to be taking the life of Jesus all the way from uh, his crib to the cross. We're going to be thinking about that from now. Uh, so, we started that at the end of Christmas, and we're going to finish in Easter as we think about um, his whole life and follow his whole life, follow the responses that people had to his life, follow the interactions that he had, the encounters that he had with people, what effect he had on, um, on people, and, um, and then what that means for us. So we're, right now we're thinking about the responses uh, that people have. And um, the first, last week we had the shepherds. We had the shepherds' response, how they responded uh, to Jesus. Next week we're doing Anna and Simeon and how they responded when they met Jesus. And this week we're going to be thinking about the Magi, as, uh, as you'll already have heard. So this connects, I prom- well, I promise I'm going to try and connect it anyway. But I'm going to start us off with a bit of a, um, a discussion question. And it may feel unconnected to magi uh, and gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But uh, if you, uh, this is, uh, as I always say, in these discussion bits, if the, your worst nightmare is to turn to the person next to you, um, then I would suggest a, a kind of a, just look really holy for a moment, uh, as if you're prayerfully reflecting on the question, because that's okay too. I don't want to put, push people too out, far out the boat. Um, and so, so the question is this, have you ever compared yourself to another Christian? And if so, what do you compare? What do you compare? And this could be a positive comparison, a negative comparison, um, and, and, and be open, be honest, but what are the things that you might compare yourself to other Christians? Could be people around you, could be um, people who've written books or who are on TV or uh, sing songs on, on uh, the radio, but what are the things that you might be tempted uh, or uh, that you might compare yourself to in your Christian walk? to others. Okay, go. Just a couple minutes. Amazing. Thank you, Cara. Um, it, it, I, I think, um, yes, that's opening a whole new realm when you get into parenting. Guilt is just the, the, the thing that holds uh, you to so much. And I think um, parenting as a Christian, you, there's so much opportunity for that comparison. And often you probably are expect, you think, you're looking at somebody thinking they've done an amazing job at this, that, or the other, and they're probably screaming half the time as well at their children for other things. So, so um, it's, it's a really tricky um, realm to get into. And I, I mean, I had loads down. I said, even worship style for me, I compare that uh, with others. You know, uh, why am I not more expressive in my worship? Why, uh, you know, people sometimes find it so easy to give their time and their money and uh, have this just almost innate sense of mercy that they just see somebody hurting and they, their heart goes out to them and they're just, they have to respond. And I'm, I'm afraid um, 
that's just not, that, that one's just not me. <laughs> I find it really hard uh, to, you know, and, and I, so I compare myself, even um, Alex, who I worked, uh, Alex Monroe, um, who we used to work alongside each other here, and now he leads the church in West Molsey. He has this, this amazing sense of mercy, and he's looking out for the people on the edge, and he's always kind of um, pinpointing those people, and, and I think, oh, that's not me. What's wrong with me? Why, why is my heart so hard that I don't, um, I don't act in that way? So right, um, we're going to be thinking about comparison, and I think um, comparison is rife in the church. I think uh, there's so many opportunities to compare, because actually the bar we have set ourselves, or actually we've not even set it ourselves, it's the bar which God has set for us is really high. It's really high. There's no doubt about that. But we aren't going to uh, be getting A stars in every aspect of our Christian journey. And I think that, that realization uh, for me has been transformative. I think that, that uh, it has made for me that, that word from Jesus about my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I think for years I've lived thinking, actually this does not feel like an easy yoke. This does not feel like a light burden. This feels like hard work. In, in ways it is. It will always be hard work to follow Jesus because it is that high bar which we've set. But the way of understanding whether we're doing well or not is not by comparing ourselves to others and what they're doing good at and what they're succeeding at. I think there's a healthy comparison, which means we, we are challenged by the way things do, people do things. But I think what, the thing I want to think about today is how we are each unique, how we're each unique in what we bring, the things that we're best at, the things that we struggle with. We're each unique, and we bring that to Jesus in worship. I had a whole nother sermon prepared um, for this morning, and it related all around the gifts of the Magi. And I, I felt nudged or convicted uh, by God or challenged that actually that is not, um, that's not the main point of this passage. I think um, we, we get caught up in the gifts of the Magi, I think partly because they're in every nativity play. We love a visual in a nativity play, we, and we, so we fixate on these visual things that we can, uh, that we can drag out as, as props in a nativity play. So we think about the reason that they came to Bethlehem was to, uh, to bring gold, to bring frankincense, and to bring myrrh, right? That's why they came. Or was it? If you look back at verse 2, it actually says they went that huge journey, wherever they went uh, from the east, um, uh, they went and they went to worship Jesus. That's the headline. They went to worship. They happened to worship in, um, as a part of that worship, was bringing these gifts. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of my link here, is I think, I think we can get so caught up in comparison at the gifts each other are bringing, also, we can get caught up in comparison on how we worship Jesus, that we forget that we each bring a gift to God. We each are called to worship, and that will look different for each of us. And um, 
I think one of the things that struck me too was uh, was it broadens our idea of what worship is. I think I think uh, I grew up with worship being only about singing on Sunday, uh, which is an important part of of uh, of worship. But as as uh, we've already said, it's everything. Worship, you know, we can compare everything, and everything is actually worship. The way we live our lives is worship. And but not none of the accounts I read of the Magi, they didn't they didn't pack a guitar, they didn't pack an organ, they didn't bring any of that. But they, it says that they went to worship, and that's what they did. They bowed down and they worshipped him. And some of that would have been uh, nature. Uh, what they brought uh, was about who they are. Some of it would have been nurture, what, what they'd seen other people do in response to a king. They knew that there was a king and they went to worship him. So I would like us to think about both of those a little bit. And one of the things that I want us to, uh, to look at is it's from this book, which um, I... To be honest, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a plug or a recommendation because actually I've not read this book. But I have taken some things from it um, which I thought were really helpful. Um, because one of the things, and, and perhaps it's just me, but one of the things that I've, I've struggled with um, and I've felt guilty about, or it's made me question um, who I am, uh, in it, or sorry, probably more question where I am in my relationship with God, has been about my ability to engage and love sung worship. I do on one level love it. I know that there's loads of people in the church who love it even more. And they're just kind of, they, they just, every opportunity they can get, they want to be in a worship service, singing loudly to God, moving around in, in expressive worship. I struggle much more with, uh, with that than, than some might. And I've always felt this sense of guilt or this sense of question of what, what, what's wrong with me? Why is, why is that harder for me um, than, than others? There must be something wrong. And so what has really challenged me or, or encouraged me, I should say, is uh, this book or the, the small bit I read of it. Um, which, uh, which focuses on different worship styles. So it's called, it's called What's Your God Language? And it kind of plays on the whole thing of uh, what's your love language with, uh, was it Gary Chapman who re- wrote that? Gary somebody wrote that. And that was an amazing book. If you've not read that, uh, I have read that, and it's very good. Um, so I can recommend that highly. And so this is thinking about if we're in relationship with God, what is it that we're actually doing? Is it just about singing? Is it just about uh, showing mercy? It is that, but there's, there's actually so much more that can be a part of our worship. And so I'm going to read. They've got nine different things, which is amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll move through them quickly. But the first one they highlight is um, the activist. And that person is loving God through trying to break down unjust structures that they see in the world. We've got the aesthetic, um, who is loving God through extended times of silence and solitude, wanting to recharge their spiritual batteries through that. We've got the caregiver, loving God through serving others. Some people find that um, really easy. I find that much harder, as I've already alluded to. The contemplative, somebody loving God through reflection and adoration. 
We've got the enthusiasts loving God through mystery and celebration. They're the cheerleaders of the faith. They feel closest to God when they sing worship and they, have, uh, they celebrate through dancing um, and things like that. The intellectual loves God through um, using their mind. I know, um, well, others will be in this category, but both the Johns um, who are on the preaching team, I think they, they, they have amazing minds and they love to, uh, love to use that for God's glory and that's the way they worship. The Apostle Paul as well, I'd say he's in that category. He just, some of the stuff he writes, you think, I can barely understand that. Um, but he just, he digs deep and wants to worship God in digging deep um, and using his mind in that way. The naturalist, which I, I think I got wrong at the 9am and may have um, pointed towards a different uh, type of lifestyle. Um, but this is uh, loving God through experiencing him outdoors uh, and clothing is is not optional but um, so loving God through experiencing God outdoors and actually for me this is one of the greatest ones for me being outside um, fully clothed is is uh, is one of the most powerful thing for me to be drawn into the mystery of our Creator the sensate is the next one loving God through our senses and the last one is the tradi traditionalist loving God through ritual and symbol, enjoying prayer and communion and Bible reading and the faith practices from long ago. And I think uh, uh, we can often pit these things against each other. We can think, okay, we're either traditionalists or we're contemporary in the way that we do things. But actually, my vision for our church um, uh, in this regard is... What if, we, what if we embraced all those things? What if we were challenged by each other in those areas and honored all those different uh, things, but we learned from each other rather than either comparing ourselves in a negative way or judging others uh, in, in, in that way as well, thinking, oh, I'm better at them than that, or traditionalism is dead. They're just kind of, well, they don't really love God. It's, it's, I've, I've said that in my heart before, um, you know, um, and, and feel that I'm somehow superior because I have a more contemporary sense of, of worship. But I don't think, um, I think what, if anything, that the small bit of this book has done for me is that it's challenged me to think of a, or to imagine a picture of us as a church embracing fully all that we are before God embracing fully all that others are before God and actually finding freedom, finding joy within that, knowing that some uh, will be one way and, uh, and we will be another and not trying to be and live into exactly what others do in their worship or how they respond to, to God in love, but actually being able to just be ourselves. And I think the more I've grown into that, the more I've sensed that easy yoke. I think um, it is probably, that, that is actually a thing for me. The sense of an easy yoke um, is, is probably only about a year and a half old. That is the first time I've ever probably said, I feel like following Jesus is not just really difficult, but actually it, it brings about a greater sense of, 
of peace and calm and, and uh, awareness of who I am and an ability to genuinely love myself for who God's made me to be. That, that's, that is such a new development for me. And I think I've had to go through all sorts of other things, like becoming a vicar. Boy, that's a minefield uh, for these kind of things. Comparison is hard enough uh, when you're in the congregation, but actually when you're, when you're a vicar, it's even harder, I'll tell you, because you've got all sorts of uh, expectations that people place upon you, and you have ways of measuring that. The diocese is asking for numbers on this and that, and, you're, and asking how this and that is going, and, and it's just comparison all over the place. But actually, it's only in this last uh, year and a half that I felt this freedom from some of that. And I feel that uh, my, my own relationship with God has, has become so much more vibrant because of it. So when we're thinking about the Magi, we're thinking about them coming to Jesus, them bringing themselves on this massive journey, bringing their gifts to God, unique gifts that they have to offer. But the reason they're coming is to worship God. And I don't have to tell you because you already know that actually worship is so much more than just what we do on a Sunday morning. It's so much more than just singing. It's so much more than just Bible reading, as important as all those things are. But the thing I want to uh, focus on just before we finish is this. And then I'll have a caveat as well. It's what I'd love for us to do is to be able to grow into and accept those things uh, that Jesus has put within us as a gift, a gift that we have to receive from him, but a gift that we can give back to him as well. And um, I suppose the caveat I want to um, add to that is that this, is, um, this idea of us each being unique is important, but it is not the be-all, end-all. Actually, we are all created in God's image, not the other way around. This isn't about us uh, just being able to jettison all the, the things that we find hard, uh, like just because I find it harder uh, than, than Alex, for example, to just see the, the lost and the least and to reach out to them with compassion. It doesn't negate the fact that the Bible is full of that and I need to work on that. But actually, I should recognize that it's hard for me and recognize that it's not going to come as easy as it is for others. For those, um, for, for those of you, um, well, I'll use me as an example again, but, you know, and when it's about kind of vibrant, uh, kind of moving around in worship and being exuberant in, in worship, that is a part of the call to be a Christian. We need to be honoring God with our worship of all kinds and on Sunday as well. But just because I don't find that part easy, um, it doesn't mean I'm a bad Christian. So that, that's the caveat. Just, you know, this is not, um, this is not, uh, uh, this isn't putting anything, you can't use what I've said, basically, um, to, to undo anything that Jesus said. That's, that's, that's a caveat, okay? So carry that. Um, and that should always be the, the case, please. Um, <laughs> um, and so, um, but I would love for us, as a community, 
to grow into loving who God's made us to be, to grow into receiving and accepting who God's made each other to be, not to be annoyed with the traditionalists because they've, they've, um, they're pushing for this, that, or the other, not to be annoyed with the, the person who's got their hands in the air in front of you because you can't see the, the words to sing, um, but to honor them and honor God for how he's made us all unique. So as we start this, this year, as we think about the gifts that we bring, as we think about the gifts that we bring as a community and that we offer to God, let's just pray that we might be able to do that with authenticity and that our yoke um, of worship will be light and bring us joy. And let me just pray that prayer as I finish. Father God, we know um, that you know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, so as we think about who you are, as we seek to follow you, as we seek to honor you in our lives, as we seek to worship you with our lives, we pray that you reveal more of who you've made us to be that we might bring authentic worship to you, that in it we might be brought to life. Oh, we give you thanks for Jesus and all that he has brought to this world, and we pray that we might worship you in the way that you deserve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.